Today, we're welcoming Prancer the Chihuahua, who became famous when his foster mom posted an adoption letter describing him as demonic and a haunted Victorian child. Well, we're really talking to Ariel, the woman who took a chance on him and whose life forever changed when Prancer entered her home. So Ariel, I, um, you know, I discovered your, well, I discovered Prancer when that first viral post came out about him being a little demonic chihuahua they described as being half hate and half, 50% hate and 50% tremble. Um, and what stood out to me the most as far as that description goes was it was a dog that seemed like it needed a lot of love but wasn't hopeless by any means. Can you tell us about the first time you read that description and how you came about that post? I want to make it very clear. Everything that Tiffany said was 100% accurate. He is a raging a-hole. He is a, a, he is just terrible. He is a monster. Um, and but we get along. Definitely, we do. Um, but she was 100. She, she was 100 spot on. Uh, it's really funny you said that because I had almost the exact same thought when I first read the article. And what I I usually don't click on what I consider clickbait, which is what I consider that article to be. But um, he was a cute dog. And at the bottom of the article, I saw that, you know, the end, Tiffany basically said, you know, he's a loyal dog. Um, he um, he's loyal. Basically, I read the end of the article where it said that he is a he's non-destructive and he's a loyal dog. and He'll be your best friend forever. And right there, I knew that he was something that I was looking for and something that just needed um, somebody to give him a chance. I emailed the person. I said, Hey, um, is this dog still available? And she, um, she got back to me within about a day. And the response that I got from um, the people over at the adoption center was very personable. So um, I took a moment to sit down and write my own response. Um, one of the reasons it was hard for me to find uh, somebody, an, a dog to adopt during this time was um, I had surrendered two dogs uh, previously and it doesn't look good on your record when you're trying to adopt another dog. Um, but I had a good reason for it and I had a story to tell. Um, and I knew that I was at a different place in my life now uh, than I was uh, when I had to surrender the dogs. So I basically sat down and wrote about two pages of my story and why. And then I, I remember uh, later on, I, I got close to Tiffany and her mom and her mom told me that when Tiffany had been reading the, um, reading my response, she looked at her mom and she said, mom, this is the one, this is, this is the one that's going to take care of Prancer. Um, and that touched me. That's something I'll never forget. What was it like when you met Prancer for the first time? So you read this description, you, you're, they're like, okay, let's move forward with at least exploring what this adoption could look like. When you met him, what was, what was that interaction like? Um, it was everything with Prancer has been pretty much exactly what I expected it to be with the dog himself. Um, he, I, I knew what to do with dogs already, but, um, you know, I, I read up, um, I read some articles, I read some books about how to, um, how to handle neurotic dogs. Um, so, um, I knew that he loved human food. I was at the time I was working in the kitchen at the uh, rehabilitation center and we made breakfast. So I packed him up a little brunch, um, some eggs, some, uh, some eggs, some bacon, some hash browns, tater tots. 
um, sausage. I put it all in a container and I drove down to New Jersey. When I met him, it was about not paying any attention to him. And that at the end of the day, that is the key to getting along with Prancer is to not focus on him. So I walked in, I walked, we walked, we met in a parking lot and open, you know, uh, public area. Um, I walked up and I said hello to Tiffany. I said hello to, I think Jennifer was the name of the uh, woman from the, the adoption center. Um, and I just talked to them and I didn't even acknowledge Prancer's presence. Um, and I just kind of sat there and I talked with Tiffany and, um, and Jennifer for a while and uh, fed him, hand fed him from the, the to-go tray that I had. And he ate the entire thing. He had a very healthy appetite. Um, and I did not, I packed a lot. <laughs> so, uh, but that was the, the, the entire um, first meeting. Uh, we just kind of hung out. We talked. I took him for a walk. He got used to me. And um, we all just clicked. Um, you know, Tiffany and Jennifer felt comfortable with me. I felt comfortable with Prancer. Um, he, one of my favorite stories is that uh, Tiffany lives in like a, a wide open area. And she, uh, Prancer likes to go out and he rolled around in a bunch of bear poop um, the, earlier that day. Um, and they didn't really realize that he smelled so bad until they were putting him in the car to bring him to meet me. So I didn't smell it, obviously, because we're all hanging out in the open air. But they put him in the crate, they get him in my car, and I go to drive home. And it is the worst smell I've ever, I had to drive, I drove two hours home with the windows wide open. Um, and the first thing we did was take a bath, um, which went pretty well. Yeah, that You didn't was my try to bite year. your hand off or anything while you're washing him or... He just surrendered and said, all right, this is it. This is my fate now. Yeah, he did very well in the bath. I was a little surprised. I was going to say a bath is yes. even dogs who've been with their, you know, their families for, for years <laughs> don't always like baths. So I'm, I'm impressed. Good job, Prancer. That's, that's terrific. Yeah. Um, Ariel, I'm curious, like, do you have a sense for how many other people applied for Prancer? Like how many people reached out to Tiffany and to the adoption center? I did not get an exact number, but I, if I remember correctly, um, Joanne had said something about thousands. Oh my God. So, wow. um, so that must make wow. you feel, I don't know, maybe even more grateful as far as just knowing how many people were trying to get him and and you you mentioned something as far as you know people maybe wanting to apply for the dog because it was a viral dog and I definitely think that that's something that Julia and I have have talked about before as far as just like why do people get animals if they're are they using them to gain clout on social media are they do they actually care about the animal like what is the main purpose for some of these people that we see with particularly with people that have uh, animal influencers uh and you know definitely seems on your end that this was just like a pure love i want to help this dog i had no idea what i was getting myself into absolutely none i saw a dog i thought he was cute and i thought i was gonna do a shot in the dark i when i picked him up they made the first the first hint i had that this was going to change my life was when I adopted him, I had to sign a piece of paper that said that I wouldn't post about it on social media for two weeks. I have a quick question about that in particular, though. Sure. Is that something that you know that they do for all animals, or did they do that specifically for Prancer, just knowing all the media attention he had been receiving? From what I understood, it was the latter. 
It was okay. because of all the media attention. And that, like I said, that was my first hint that this was going to be weird. Is <clears throat> because like I've never I've adopted dogs before and you never sign something like that. But because of all the attention that Prancer had had, um, they they had their lawyer sign up this draft, and I thought it was strange because I I don't I like to go on I'm like an old lady when it comes to the internet. I like to go on the Facebook to look at the memes and I like to scroll through them and laugh and send them to all my friends and then I log off of the Facebook and I like to call it the Facebook because it just goes to you know elaborate on how old I am. The Facebook. <laughs> I'm going to start Facebook. doing that too. <laughs> it really upsets the younger generation. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, everything was going great. And, you know, he, when you move to a new place, the first week or so is, is you're in shock. He's in shock and he was the perfect little gentleman and, you know, everything was wonderful. And he just sat there and he was kind and he was polite. He didn't do anything. And I, I, I was in touch with Jennifer and I said, you know, yeah, everything's going great. And she's like, okay, well, people are really hounding at me about, you know, you know, what happened to the dog. So I'm going to let them know. I'm going to put out an adoption announcement. And um, so one weekend, my life changed forever um, without, I, I, I'm not even exaggerating. Like everything in my life has changed completely. Um, oh my goodness. What happened? <laughs> well, they, they, they announced that he was adopted. And I think I did, I was doing like two interviews a day. Um, and I was doing interviews on, um, I was doing Zoom interviews and I was doing phone interviews and I was doing radio interviews and I was doing newspaper interviews and NPR and, um, people magazine. I was in people at magazine and I was in, um, uh, I had, a the, the New York times was interviewing me. They actually just recently had a New York time. The New Yorker did a, um, did a cartoon about Prancer like, like two months ago, not even two months ago, like a month and a half ago. Um, yeah, it was, I, it was really funny too. <laughs> um, I can send it to you actually. It's really fun. Somebody sent it to me. Um, everybody, I, I was interviewed in Australia. I was interviewed in, um, England, um, New Zealand. Um, his Instagram went from having, like, I, I, I remember sitting at work the day that the story broke and watching his Instagram go from like two people to thousands of people. And I was just blown away. Like my mind, I, I couldn't wrap my head around what was going on. These two movie producers um, called me, they sent me an email and I had a conversation with them about a Prancer movie. And I was just like, is this real life? He has a, um, Prancer still has an agent, a book agent. We have a book deal for two children's books that are going to come out at the end of, uh, one's going to be the end of this year. And then there's going to be another children's book at the end of next year. Um, and people want me to write an adult book too, like a memoir. And the reason that I say that like this changes my life is because my entire life I've wanted to be a writer. Like I've been working up to wanting to write books since I was maybe 10 years old. And now I actually have an agent. It's just wonderful. Do you mind sharing a little bit more of your backstory as far as, you know, the, you, you, it sounds like you had had a couple maybe challenging experiences with having dogs prior and maybe that you were going through something and how the evolution in your life took place to where you felt like, all right, I'm ready to take care of a dog again. Oh yeah. I'm an open book, um, for better or for worse. Um, I've spent, you know, the past 15, 18 years of my life, uh, smoking pot. I was a drug addict. Um, I, um, got to a point where I had my own place and, um, I was able to take care of some dogs and I had two dogs, Doodle and Blue. 
and they were the best boys I could ever have. And no matter what was going on in my life, I always took care of my animals. Um, but then my life deteriorated as, you know, addictions um, often do, always do, um, to the point where I needed help. And help for me was uh, going up to North, uh, leaving North Carolina and going to Connecticut um, for a long-term drug and rehabilitation center called Turnbridge. Um, and unfortunately, you know, the Turnbridge program is about a year. I was there for about a year and a half. Um, and my parents were not able to take care of my dogs. So both of my dogs were rehomed into loving environments where they still are today. I still have contact with them today. Um, you know, they, I still get pictures and they, they're with you know, stable, uh, healthy people that love them and care for them very much. But um, I wasn't able to take care of them and I had to rehome them. And I was also in a position where I had I was in a residential treatment center. Um, I graduated from the program. I, I actually still work to this day at the program. And I recently got a promotion through the program. So I'm moving my way up. You know, I went from waiting tables for 15 years to, you know, having this gift of this life where I'm now, I work a professional job where I have to wear adult clothes. Um, and all of that is actually also through the gift of Prancer. Um, so I graduated the program. I lived in my own home. Um, I pay my own bills. I have a steady income. Um, I have uh, a car. I have a job. I have my own place. I'm living on my own. And I feel like after about two years of going from, you know, not being able to take care of myself, going into a rehab, uh, being in a treatment facility, um, I was finally ready to have a dog again. And dogs are very important to me. Um, the dog that I had given up, Doodle, he was a little Jack Russell uh, Chihuahua mix. So... I had experience and he was very feisty and he didn't get along well with others and he didn't really want to hang out with other people. Um, and he was very feisty. So I had experience with dogs that had troubled past or, you know, uh, had needed extra attention. Um, so like I said, when I read the article about Prancer, I kind of was like, Oh, this is just like doodle. <laughs> you know, this is, this is something that I'm ready for. Um, and, and that's, that's where I kind of had that connection of saying like, I really think that this could happen and that this could work and that I would be the right person for him. Um, but you know, when, when you read something online, you also know that there's hundreds of thousands of people reading the exact same article and that there's hundreds of thousands of other people being like, I could be a good home for this dog too. I want a viral dog. Um, and there's a lot of people that send out the replies. So I sent it out on one of those, like you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. And I never expected, a call back. I never expected for to be the one that has Prancer um, for me to earn him, you know, for him to end up in my home. Um, so that's kind of how like my past ended up into my future with Prancer. Wow, that's, that's really powerful. And I mean, it sounds like in a certain respect, what I'm hearing is that you kind of saw yourself in him that you were given a second chance, and that he deserved one too. Oh, definitely. I knew, um, I loved, she is such a brilliant writer and she is such an amazing human being. And she did this dog such a, um, but I also, I kind of read, I, I saw right through what she had written. Um, I knew that she had written this, you know, out of frustration because this dog is terrible. He is a monster. And he was living in a, and I say that endearingly, he, I mean, as, as the mother would, um, but he was living in an environment with, a lot of cats and a lot of other dogs and he is an only child. So, you know, if, if I had to live in a house with all of other, all these other animals, I would write the exact same thing. And I kind of 
I kind of saw through that. And like I said in the beginning of this interview, um, it was what she said at the end. He'll be your forever friend. He's loyal. He's quiet. He's non-destructive. And those right there are key things that you, I look for in a dog. I don't want a dog that's going to eat all my possessions, uh, you know, and he knows basic commands. He actually listens very well. So, um, and that's all on, that's, I didn't do any of that. So quiet, loyal, non-destructive. I feel like those are qualities I want like people around me as well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's be real. But echoing what Anya said, I mean, it's a powerful story, but I think you're also very brave. Like it takes a lot of bravery to make all of the decisions that you did. And I I mean, I, I think it's, it's incredible. And that, you had that trust in yourself and you know, that you're able to trust you know, these animals as well. And, you know, for me, like my dog is so therapeutic. His name is Smudge and, you know, he, I, I could be having a bad little, he's an Aussie. He's got little smudgy marks all over his face and I could be feeling sick or having a really bad day. And, you know, there's just something about having him there and just that quiet presence that makes things just feel so much better. Yes. That's beautiful. Well, I I imagine that I mean if if you're not used to the attention, it seems like I mean it's kind of like there's a lot of interesting things that are coming out in this as far as like Prancer did not like attention. If you ignored him, he did better. Now he's like an international little superstar on the internet. People wanting to make movies about him. Now he's going to be in books. He's all over the news. You know, so for for a dog that did not want the attention and you had to ignore him to win him over, and now he is kind of used as a symbol of inspiration and joy for a lot of people. And for someone like yourself, with everything that you've been through and not having all that media attention in your life to suddenly be thrust into that, it's like you guys are going through this journey together and, and figuring it out together, it seems. You know, one of the things that we hope to... Um to inspire people with is his story is, um, you know, it's okay to let people love you and it's okay to meet new people. Um, and you know, as long as you're in a safe place, there's a lot of themes in his story that I think are very relevant to, uh, younger children, to adults. Um, you know, I adopted, and to this day, Prancer has no idea how famous he is. Um, he, he lives a very, we we live a very quiet life. Does he know how popular he is? No, he, um, he's the perfect little man. And I, I know it's fun to talk about like all the, the media, but, um, at the end of the day, he is my forever friend. Um, I come home and we, we cuddle and I take him out. I've had meetings with like, uh, with marketing people who are like, you need to get on TikTok. And I'm like, you need to not like, I don't like TikTok scares me. And like, I'm not the type of personality that goes on TikTok, but, um, I think that like all in all in all, one of the things that it's done for me and changed my life is that seeing I'm overweight, I'm considerably overweight. And that came from a point when in my addiction, I got clean and we go from one addiction to another addiction. And my other addiction was food. And in, in recovery, I, I gained about a hundred pounds and looking at myself in the mirror every day is terrible. I don't want to do that. Um, you know, and then to have to see myself on international television, to see myself in articles, in People magazine, to look onto myself and say, oh, that's what I look like. And then to want to make a change, Prancer has brought me there. 
you know, without Prancer in my life, I might not be in the position I am making the changes that I am in my life. Um, you know, with the help of Prancer and my mother and my stepfather and my father, um, I've, I've started to go through the process since adopting Prancer of going into gastric bypass surgery. And now, you know, in two months, I'm looking at actually undergoing the surgery. And it's not about what I look like, because I don't want to give the wrong impression to people that, you know, you need to be skinny and beautiful to be, you know, loved. It's not about that. But, you know, being uh, almost 300 pounds is not healthy. You know, I can't walk up the stairs. I can't tie my shoes. I can't do all of this. And because of, you know, having adopted Prancer, putting myself out there, the journey that I've gone through has led me to a point in my life where I feel confident enough to go through the process of getting the medical help that I need to be healthier. It's not about pretty. It's about health. Um, and I am so grateful to Prancer because, you know, it's not about, it's not even just about being, you know, seeing myself on the news or seeing myself in People Magazine. It's also about wanting to go for long hikes with Prancer or wanting to take long walks with this dog that I love because he's my baby um, and taking care of the dog. And I think that you take away the social media, take away the, the publicity, and you still have a story about somebody who adopted a dog and wants to do what's best for the dog and for themselves. And together we grow with our, with our humans and with our dogs and with our pets and with our family. Um, we grow to be better people in the end of it. You know, and he's you're, growing you're touching, too. Yeah. And, and evolving. And you, you're touching on something that I I have felt personally about my own dog where I, I've thought about if something were to happen to me, who would take care of my animal? If, if I were to get sick, <laughs> Julia's raising her hand. <laughs> um, but you, you do, we, these animals become such a part of your day-to-day -day life and, and you do have to take into consideration how all of your choices impact them. And, um, and that includes obviously your health, that if your health is deteriorating, who's going to take care of these animals? And I, you know, what you were saying about just, you know, wanting to give him the best, like, I, I get that entirely. Like, you know, there are days where, you know, I just don't feel motivated to do whatever it is that I'm supposed to be working on, but I have to get up and take the dog out. I have to go feed him. Yeah. Like we go to the park because that makes him happy. And I think there's something about caring for something else, whether it's another person or another creature, you, you get these, the satisfaction from completing these like small goals every day. And I really think that can help you know, somebody think about achieving bigger goals that maybe seem out of reach before. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of themes in the story um, that touch a lot of people throughout lives in general. And I love it. I love the humanity. I love the compassion. I love that, you know, in this day and age, we need a feel-good story and that Prancer is a feel-good story. I mean, in, in a sense, too, it sounds like you're, that he's like a reluctant influencer. He's just kind of thrust into the limelight. You were thrust into the limelight, but that you're trying to make the most out of this opportunity to inspire others and also not exploit him because I mean, it seems like there's probably a lot of oppor more opportunities that have come your way, but looking at your social, it's still tame. There's not a lot of ads or sponsored stuff on there and that you're focused on just being the best dog mom that you can possibly be. Yeah. I, um, there were a lot of people that wanted to do certain, like there was a lot of offers of sponsorship and stuff like that. And I, um, 
I actually, I, I, I don't do that. Um, there, there was these one people that, that got me a vacuum and I swear to God, it's the best vacuum I've ever had in my entire life. Um, I wish that I remembered it cause I would plug them right here. But, um, it gave me the most anxiety. It's about, I still have it. I use it every day to clean up the, the crap, but, um, there's just so much anxiety in having to produce the, the content. And I'm not an influencer. Prancer's not an influencer. Um, you know, I don't, so I don't accept any, um, I don't take any, um, sponsorship. I don't do any of that stuff. If I was better at what I did, if I was better at, at the Instagram, um, I could do, I know that TikTok would blow up with him. I know that if, uh, I'm just not marketing savvy. Um, you know, my life is with women in recovery it's about living my life and my story. And as much as I love Prancer so much, he is still just a dog. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, he is a dog. And um, I love him and I take care of him and he's changed my life and he's my best friend. But um, my focus is in my life and my career and um, my journey with women in recovery and making the world a better place in that way. It seems to me a, a theme on your page is about bringing awareness to the LBGTQ plus community as well and kind of using Prancer as a vehicle around showing what acceptance looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, He's, which is um, really cool. Thanks. Uh, I'll never live down the NPR article that said a single woman, a single lesbian has, has adopted Prancer. And I was like, thank you so much for, I really appreciate the single part. I appreciate the lesbian part. Now the entire world knows I'm a single lesbian. So thank you so much. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a little bit of a, um, I think that it's fun to to capitalize on the whole, you know, man hating lesbian icon, um, and not to. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I myself am such a strong supporter of men's rights. Um, you know, I consider myself a feminist because I'm I'm a cis female. Um, but I think that in the, without getting political at all, you know, I'll, I'll get off my horse in a minute, but. Um, I just think that men deserve a lot more credit than they get to. And we, we all deserve compassion, just like Prancer, you know, he, he might be a man hater, but he deserves as much compassion as everybody else. It doesn't matter if you're a dog, if you're a person, um, everybody has their own story. Everybody acts the way they do for a reason. Um, and everybody deserves understanding and a chance to be the best person that they are, regardless of their race, age, gender, um, dog, cat, human, man, woman. Well, and I feel like that's something that animals in general, for the most part, right? I mean, you think of what Prancer's been through and um, just sounds like he went through some things that kind of created him to be the type of dog that he is. But what I find really remarkable about animals that despite everything that they've been through, there's still this layer of them that you can find that is very loving and kind and and wanting to to show love, even though they might be scared to do that. And I, I actually think that's true of most humans as even the most, the people that maybe you want to say are damaged and, and broken. There's a, I think there's a piece and part in all of us that wants to be able to show and express love and to be able to receive it, even if it's really scary to do so. Oh, definitely. Well, I mean, all pain and all anger, um, they all anger comes from pain. Um, you know, the reason that Prancer expresses things the way he is, cause that's how he's taught. Um, at the end of the day, Prancer behaves the way he does because he's trying to protect me. I'm his human. That's how he was raised was to protect his human and I'm his human. Um, and he protects him for everyone because that's, that's his trauma is, 
Um, it's also a Chihuahua trait um, that I've come to learn. Um, that's been something great. Speaking of Chihuahuas, um, the Chihuahua community has been so welcoming of Prancer and I've gotten, Instagram is just a lovely place. I've gotten so many people that message me. Oh my God, he's my, he's my dog's twin. Um, my dog acts the exact same way. Um, Chihuahua people know that this is a Chihuahua and it's not, it's not an unusual personality trait for Chihuahuas. So everybody is struggling with their own thing. I, I was going to ask, um, you know, what you've learned about the breed through this experience. But I was also thinking, you know, just given your experiences you know, with dogs in general, especially with Prancer, but then also your role in supporting, you know, other people through their recovery, just the parallels that you might be able to draw from those experiences and sort of channel that into, I don't want to say dog training, but more like, you know, dog behavioral therapy, you know, how do you work with certain dogs, especially ones who are neurotic? And I feel like you have a really unique perspective on this that's shaped by different things. Um, he's really taught me that being calm is just so important in my life. Um, and not responding. Um, he, you know, if I yell at him, he doesn't, he just barks right back at me like a spoiled little brat. Um, you know, but I, I need to, I need to speak with him in a calm tone. I need to be a calm personality. It's also helped me um, being able to come home and know that I have like such a problem child, being able to um, respond to them in a calm manner. Um, you know, escalation never helps escalation. You know, when somebody's, when, when Prancer's getting upset, it doesn't help for me to get upset at Prancer. Um, you know, he just needs a calm person to reassure him. And sometimes, you know, he'll start barking and your first instinct is to say no bad, but really all he wants is to be picked up and pet. And, and I think that that's a lot, it's very relevant to a lot of young women in recovery when they're acting out because, and your first response is to be like, no, sit down, shut up. Don't do that. When really they just want to be loved and they just want to be acknowledged and they just want to be heard. And as far as I guess, other people that have learned about Prancer's story and your story what has that response been like as far as maybe some inspiration that you feel like Prancer has given others to go through their own recovery? I think that his story is, so as we've talked about this entire time, his story in, influences everything. It, it penetrates everything. Um, you can you can find a way to relate him to a lot of things in life. Um, and I think that that is, is a lot of opportunity from loving yourself to loving other people to um, the dangers of social media. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of areas um, with Prancer. Um, he's a really great dog. He's, if we weren't having this conversation, if he wasn't a viral sensation, I would be saying yeah, he's, still, he's still the most important thing in my life. Um, and yeah. I love him. What do you hope for Prancer for the future as far as maybe just as he continues to grow and develop as a dog? What, what do you hope he gets to experience? Oh, this is good. I have... Um, I really, I'm working on him, with him on being able to walk around in public and, and be, I, my dream for Prancer is for somebody to be able to walk up to him and pet him because he can't do that. Um, you know, he is, he is not, he is a very protective dog. And by working with him and with trainers and getting him comfortable and I would like to him to be able to be um, integrated, but I would love for him to be a little bit more integrated into society and not such an, an a-hole. Because he is. Well, it sounds like you guys met each other when you needed to and that it was the perfect, perfect timing for for you to 
just come into each other's lives when you did. There's a match made in heaven. Absolutely. Well, we, we have some questions that we want to end this interview with that are very hard hitting journalistic deep dive <laughs> questions that hopefully won't throw you off too much. Um, but will give us some better insight into Prancer. If Prancer were to play a villain in a movie, which character would he be? Oh, um, you know, I, I, I think, I think honestly, Bruno from, from Encanto, I, I, it's not just because I, I'm, I'm on the Encanto train, but he's, uh, you know, he's seen as a villain, but he's really just this guy trying to do the best thing for everybody. If Prancer could destroy one person in the world right now, who would it be? Um, person or, or does it have to be a human? It can be anything. If he could destroy anything, if he had, if he, if you gave him free reign and you're like, go after it, just go do it. Oh, there's, there's this new dog that moved in next door that he, he wants to get at so bad. It's been, it's been a struggle. They bark at each other a lot and it's, it's a lot. Um, if Prancer were to write a memoir, what would the title of his memoir be? Oh, um, my human and me. I know it's corny. But I, I, that's, I've actually thought of that. Or my, my, no, no, my forever home. There we go. That's the final answer. Oh, um, I love that. It, it's so corny, but, and it's so, you know, so generic, but it is. It's his forever home. Now, we know Prancer likes to kind of depict himself as a tough guy to the outside world. But you can tell us here it's a safe space. Is he secretly a mama's boy? Oh, 100 percent. That is all he is. He makes it the world. He makes it look like he's a tough boy because he's such a mama's boy. He cowers. <laughs> he sleeps like right next to me, like all curled up. That's that's all he does. Awesome. Well, you passed. These all are fact checked. I, I, I believe every word that you said. Thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to share more about your personal journey and story with us and how Prancer has played such an important role in that. And we really look forward to continuing to follow his journey and yours. And I look forward to those books that you're going to be writing with Prancer. Yeah, and me too. I have two, I have two nieces that are three and seven. So we'll definitely be buying those when the, those are out. Appreciate you both. All right, everyone, if you enjoyed this conversation, here's how you can support us so we can continue bringing you great animal content. First, follow us on all of our social channels at The Furfluencers. Go to our website at thefurfluencers.com to get updates on upcoming guests. You can find all of our old podcasts on there as well. Also, make sure that you support us on Patreon so that we can continue bringing you content like this. And the most important thing, like and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud. Leave us some great reviews. Five paws for each, please. We want to be at the top. We want to be at the top. All right. And we need your help to do that. So thanks for tuning in all. <laughs>